Welcome to The Lead, the Hartford's executive podcast series, where some of our company's most innovative and engaging leaders share their thoughts about leadership, career development, our company, and industry. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Lead. I'm your host, Paula Angelo, and I head internal and CEO communications at The Hartford. Our guest today is Mo Tooker, head of commercial lines at The Hartford. So you were recently named head of commercial lines, effective March 1st. You've been transitioning really since the announcement and expanding your oversight responsibilities from middle and large and global specialty to now comprehend small commercial. How are you thinking about this role in total? And I know that you've mentioned that each of the Hartford's commercial line businesses are powerhouses in their own right. Do you foresee any changes in how we go to market? Yeah, there's a lot in there, Paul. So I, they are incredible machines. And I, I think all three on their own, if you put them on their own, I think they would each rank in the top quartile of their, you know, so our small commercial team. I think if you put them against all small commercial businesses across the country, I think they would rank in the top quartile. And the same for middle and large and the same for global, especially the results are that good that I think we can say we have three top quartile underwriting organizations each on their own. Um, so I think the, I, no, so I, somebody's, I'll try to stay out of their way. But I think one of the things that I've learned while being here at the Hartford is that customer segmentation, that customer organization, we should not mess with it. So as long as I'm around, we will always have a group of people that will be focused on the small business owner. I think it just makes us better. And I think the same thing for a middle market buyer. So I think that customer segmentation is important. But I think there's plenty of opportunities where we have common threads across the businesses that we work on those together. And, And I think there's more of that we can do. I love the fact that our each of the businesses decentralized. They are in some ways self-contained businesses, and they run themselves, and they they are really by talented leaders. But I just think there's more often there are threads that are probably common across that we should be working on together. And I know that there's been conversation happening um, as we thought about how the Hartford will continue to innovate and grow with the concept of one Hartford. This is something that you've been really involved in. Can you just talk a little bit about when we say One Hartford? What what is that? Yeah, I think simply it's just how do we bring the full power of what we have inside the building to our customers and agents? Stephanie and I have talked a lot about over the past couple of years, boy, it could be really, really good if we could stitch these things together a little bit differently so the customer and the agent feel more of the power of the organization. And by Stephanie, you're referring to Stephanie Bush, who we talked to on the lead uh, a few months back. When you look at how we bring that full impact of our capabilities to the marketplace, how do you think the Hartford stacks up compared to some of our competitors in delivering a seamless and holistic experience? Yeah, this has been very consistent feedback over the past couple of years. It's just that many of our peers are siloed. They don't really communicate well together. They may not even like each other. And some of our our peers' compensation structures are such that I win, you lose. So there's a competitive nature to the way they are compensated and the way they go go to market. I think the, the wonderful thing today is that the Hartford already doesn't have that going on. I think in front of agents and brokers and customers, we come across as a single unit and get that feedback time and time again that 
boy, it doesn't seem to be any real competition between you. You're all helping each other. And so I think that's a point of cultural distinction follow that's here today. And agents and brokers especially recognize it today. So just think about that. If that's already here and we were able to turn that up a couple notches, what we might be able to create. Got to feel better for the people on the team, too, who are presenting to a customer to know that their colleagues are really inclined to support them and that they're sharing information that could be valuable. Absolutely. I mean, there is there is a little bit more sweat that's required because we ask you to go into each interaction and ask you to think about who's sitting to your left and right and, and make sure that you're thinking about what they could bring to the situation as well or to the conversation. So, but I think that gets to be habitual over time. So it's not that much of additional calories, but it is an ask that we have for all of our people to to make sure they're thinking more broadly just than what their their desk might be presenting. And anything in particular as we think about just the, all of the work underway on One Hartford, anything in particular that you're fired up about and excited about? Well, I think we have established uh, ourselves as one of the digital leaders, for example, in the in the marketplace. Certainly our small commercial team has led the way in some of their service capabilities, just how they make it easy, for example, to get a certificate of insurance or for an agent to help get a quote. I think we're trying to take that same type of experience and just extend it across all of commercial lines, for example. And this is a commercial lines concept today, but it'll extend all, all the way across the heart over time. But this idea that can we make the experience for that customer for whatever they need to have happen or the agent for that same set of transactions, can we just make it more seamless? I think with the power we have already with the digital presence we have and think about where we might be able to take that over the next couple of years. Yeah, that, that excites me. I think there's there's that customer service just creates additional growth opportunities for us over time if we can really make that happen. Hey, Hartford employees, make sure to visit iConnect where you'll find all the latest news on our business wins, well-being tips, benefit updates, upcoming company events, and so much more. But if you can't see it daily, be sure to read iConnect Week in Review every Friday morning. That's where you can get caught up on what you missed. We now return to The Lead, the Harford's executive podcast series. Another concept that I know you like to talk about is the pace of change in the world. It's a topic that just seems like it's getting a lot of attention these days and the discussion around, you know, living through continuous disruption. I, I've heard you say that the pace of change today is the fastest it's ever been but also it's the slowest it ever will be. So talk me through both how you see the market and industry evolving in this time of disruptive change, and then talk about sort of how we're preparing to address it, both in terms of how we uh, approach the customer and then what we do inside the company to build a change resistant or change adaptable organization. Yeah, it's kind of a scary topic, huh? And uh, we took, we've taken a number of trips. One of them was to Silicon Valley and, and, and I stole that from one of the presenters there who was giving us example after example about where the technology might go and not just, you know, yeah, there's certainly customer experience, but in the world of biology, pharmaceuticals, you know, just on and on, just where the world might be going based on the investments that are going in from a technology perspective. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a scary concept. But I think the good thing for me as I think about the Hartford is 
I think we're in a good place, and especially relative to our peers, I feel really good. The investments we've made to date, we're really fortunate. And, and there's things like John Kinney's investment in claims systems. I know it wasn't John Kinney only, he's our claims leader, but you know, with the claim system that we've took the the pain in some ways of the, the price tag eight, nine years ago now, and we have a modern claim system. And think about the data that we've been capturing over that time period. I think it's really uh, sets us apart in terms of how quickly we're seeing things. I think the same story that we talked about in small commercial, we've been consistently investing in the small commercial space to make that customer and agent experience better. So I think there are there's a modernity to our technology and our data that gives us an advantage relative to peers. Now, you compare that to people outside the insurance space, it can feel a little bit like we've got a lot more to go, but I think we're funding investment. I think we're funding experimentation. There's a pace that we're trying to create. So I'm optimistic. I'm not comfortable by any means, but I'm optimistic that our pace of investment and our experimentation will allow us to outperform and to, to your point, really meet the demands of the customer of tomorrow. What about from a cultural perspective? How do you keep your teams motivated and energized in the face of what feels like constant disruption, not only within our company and our industry, but just in the world at large? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we talked about getting knocked off your stride earlier. I think this is another place where that can potentially happen. And so I, I think there's a frequency of dialogue. We just got to keep it front and center so people are aware of the issues and how it might impact us, society, their jobs. I think we also got to be honest about where it's going to help and where we need to upskill and where you know their, their jobs may be impacted. So I think this is a place where we've got to be, I think, transparent and honest about the potential change that's coming or not. And I think that's just, to me, is I mean, there's an honesty that that's really, really important as we're looking at these investments, uh, embracing them, implementing them. I think that helps the change management, as you know, Paula. And certainly, you know, one area that I think everybody is watching uh, after it burst on the scene in 2023 is AI. So how do you think about the potential impact for artificial intelligence and generative AI, particularly on the insurance industry and our businesses? And I think about, you know, how do you think life is going to be different for somebody who's starting as an underwriter today versus um, when you came into the profession? Yeah. I mean, I think AI, thankfully, has been around a little bit more. I think really what's got people spooked a little bit, or maybe the flip side of that coin is excited, is the generative piece, to your point, which really burst on the scene a year ago. I think we took a trip to Silicon Valley in November of 2020. Two generative AI didn't come up once, and we were talking to some real industry leaders, right? And then all of a sudden, January, February of 2023, it's it's you know, yeah, I think it kind of blew up the world, and like, oh, all right, this is where we're going. So, I think there's incredible possibility in, in a number of areas, and you think about how it might change the world of coding, how it might change you know many industries, and just in terms of summarization, how it summarizes data. But I really think narrowly about an underwriter. I hope that people see the positive. I think this turns into a world of a, of a co-pilot where it really allows an underwriter, you know, a lawyer, there's many professions that will be impacted here, but all of a sudden information will be presented to them and they are really applying their skills as opposed to hunting and pecking, going to find the information. So I think we will 
have to get people comfortable with this idea of a co-pilot, co Paul, and say, well, there's certain, def there's certain decisions we just don't need your brain on, but here's where we're pointing you towards, just because your brain is really necessary in these areas. I don't think that ever goes away. I think there's a natural, I don't know what the right word is, but there's a natural evolution where there's some things that will fall off your plate where we don't want you to spend time, but there's many things ahead of us that just have sophistication where we're going to need the human to apply their judgment. I think that goes in underwriting. I think it goes to the legal profession, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we definitely see it in other parts of the organization, marketing and communications, where, you know, you don't have to have manual clip files anymore. Um, right, right. Everything all just at your fingertips. So I think, I think that's a, a great description and a, a great vision for how roles are going to perhaps become more rewarding, it sounds like. I think that's a great way to put it. I think there's an evolution here that we're going to have to get comfortable with. And if you can get comfortable with it and kind of ride that wave, a lot of the drudgery that you, drudgery, that the, the stuff that kind of is rote will come off your desk. So I want to uh, pivot and talk a little bit about another dimension of culture that you've played a, a really strong leadership role, and that is a supporter of the Hartford's DEI effort, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Why are these initiatives important to you and, and how does it create value for the business? Yeah, I think we've we've talked a lot about, about why it's important. I, mean, I, I just find that for me, exposure to so many different cultures, you know, I've probably been to 70 different countries. And when you when you get put into that many different situations and you are pretty humble about that experience and you use it as a learning opportunity i think there's just i think we're better for it and, and i'm better for having had that exposure in my career in my life just to see how many different ways a single problem can be seen I remember sitting in russia in probably 2000 early 2000s and talking about issues and their view on the um, on america versus my view of russia I mean, there's just so many things that you just you have a different view on. But so I think to me, this diversity question is really about that. It is really about how not only do we get more diverse opinions into a conversation, but increasingly for me, and I've learned this a lot over the past decade, is how do we encourage people to bring their full selves to work and apply their full range of expertise and opinions to the, the problems we have here? And if we can get people who are really comfortable bringing their full opinion and who they are and who they represent and their experiences to the problems we face. I don't think anybody can match the power of that problem solving. So it's really getting the benefit of an environment where you have people with differing backgrounds and different experiences and finding the best of the best out of that. Yeah, and I, I think that's rewarding from a business outcomes perspective, but think how rewarding that is as an individual to come to work and you really get engaged with a group of people who are just fascinating. So I, I just, I'm hoping there's a there's an engagement piece that plays out over time too. So I have um, one more question for you. We've talked about the journey that you've been on, the ground that you've covered in your career and, and how you've grown in your responsibilities here at the Hartford in particular. For somebody who's just starting out early days in our company or just early days in their career anywhere, what would be the advice you give? 
not surprisingly, a lot of the themes we've talked about, Paula, are going to come through there. I think listening, active listening, if that's not a natural skill, I would say that's one you got to work on. Maybe a second is I, I think there's a there's an importance to having a really deep knowledge of your area of expertise. And I think if you're trying to stay high level or superficial, I, I, I think your brain, your colleagues, your career will benefit from just getting really, really deep and making sure you understand an issue or a set of issues inside and out. And third, which is probably really closely related to the other two, I just think it's it's lifelong learning, curiosity, I just think pays off. You're more able to connect things that may be seemingly disconnected and you're just able to make connections that other people can't see. So I think that lifelong learning kind of goes back to listening and, and going deep on the subject. So I think all three of those are pretty intertwined, but hugely helpful in my career. And, and I think for most people's career, I think they kind of go across just about any any job. Well, thank you so much for a fantastic conversation, Mo. It's been a treat to get to know you better and hear more about your experiences as a leader. And thank you to everyone listening to The Lead. Until next time, I'm Paula Angelo. This has been The Lead, the Harford's executive podcast series. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you'd be notified on the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.